Hey guys, Dr. Jamie. I don't know if you guys know this, but almost 75% of Americans are dehydrated. You all know I'm a huge fan of electrolyte supplementation and most Americans are drinking less than 44 ounces of water per day. Well, one thing that might be able to help you get rehydrated and drink more water is by the use of electrolytes. And I wanna introduce you to the Vitamin IQ New Electrolyte Mix. This is the crucial aspect of your wellness. It is intelligent hydration. Not only does it have three times the electrolytes of any sports drink, but it also has a cellular energy blend of D-ribose, taurine, creatine, and NAD precursors. It comes in a delicious orange flavor that my kids love. So if you're looking for a new electrolyte supplement, go check out Vitamin IQ on Amazon or vitaminiq.com. to the Fit and Fabulous Podcast with Dr. Jamie Seaman. Hello, everybody. It's Dr. Jamie Seaman, and welcome back to the Fit and Fabulous Podcast. We have a great one for you today, and I know you are going to enjoy today's guest. His name is Dr. Michael Roizen, and he has served as Cleveland Clinic's first chief wellness officer from 2007 to 2019. He's the founding chair of its Wellness Institute. The clinic's wellness programs help the clinic not spend $1.25 billion, that's billion with a B, for its 101,000 employees and dependents over 11 years compared with national averages and helped over 43.6% of participants achieve normal health markers. Compared to these national averages, they reduced their rate of aging and time of disability onset was associated with a 30% decrease in sick time. Those are big numbers. Dr. Roizen is a recipient of an Emmy, an L, and the Paul Rogers Best Medical Communicator Award from the National Library of Medicine. He has nine top 10 number one New York Times bestsellers. He's initiated and developed the real age concept to motivate behavior change. That started the concept that 60 could be the new 40. He now believes that soon 90 will be the new 40. And uh, he has uh, described in his most recent book and app, the Great Age Reboot and Longevity Playbook app, um, which is very useful to help employers motivate their employees for sustainable health-promoting behavior change, which we know is a huge challenge. Dr. Roizen, welcome to the Fit and Fabulous podcast. Jamie, it's a privilege to be here. Thank you. Okay, so you have an amazing bio and uh, a lot of credibility in this space, but Give our listeners an idea of what drives your passion for all of these, these projects that you've taken on in your career. Well, what really drives my passion is that you get to control your genes to a large degree. That is how long and well you live is under your control to a large degree. And most people don't recognize that their choices make a huge difference. So what drives me is to be able to communicate to people that they can live healthier longer, as well as what we call living younger longer, um, because as you're younger, you have less chronic disease. So we say it's living younger longer is really what drives my passion, if you will. Um, that is getting people to do that. So I get the privilege of seeing patients two days a week and helping them 
and then I get the privilege of being on shows, podcasts with you, if you will, here, and help to motivate many to understand how much control they have over their health and longevity. So for the people listening, I mean, you and I know working in the medical field that we are living in a major chronic disease burden. I mean, patients are sicker than they have ever been before. So for somebody listening right now, why should they care about their longevity? Well, the key is not only living longer, but living healthier longer. That is having that period of disability, which now averages about 13 years in America. Most people will live with some major disability for 13 years. That's the average. But just imagine you could drive that down to three. That is, it's almost living at the top of your curve, at the top of your functioning, and then, uh, if you will, dying suddenly. We don't like to think about dying, but I'd rather die suddenly, um, meaning live longer and then die quickly. Um, And that's what it is. It is the reason to do this and the reason to do it earlier is that there's a compounding effect in health. For example, lowering your LDL cholesterol, your lousy cholesterol, or your apolipoprotein B from 140 to 70, in the first 10 years after you do it, it may be a 3 to 6% reduction risk. But by year 30 to 40, it's between a 30 and a 40% reduction risk. So there's a compounding. Just like you save savings and it gets better and better and better, as you decrease um illness, if you decrease your risk for chronic disease, that adds up to more and more, if you will, benefit to you as time goes on. So the sooner you start, the better. Awesome. Okay. So if you're listening, the sooner you start, the better. I totally believe in that too. So you think that we can make 90, uh, the new 40. So how do we slow aging? Well, Slowing aging is different than what we think will be able to happen. We think you're going to be able to reverse it. So let me go and and first say what slowing aging is. There are now 180 choices that you can make. Most important, managing stress with a posse, a passion and purpose as as you have, and uh, play. So those are the three most important things in stress management. It's the greatest age of all. And then uh, the second thing is food choices, portion size, and time of eating. Third is the four components of physical activity. Fourth is avoiding unforced errors. Fifth and sixth, brain wellness and sleep. Um, But if you look at all of the things, there are actually 180 ways that you can slow aging. Everything from making four smells a day, meaning intentionally smelling like coffee or smelling alcohol or smelling, um, I have Clorox and smelling lavender. Any four smells, intentionally smells, decreases your risk of brain dysfunction. So there are literally in, in the Great Age Reboot, we go through 181 ways that have been shown in at least two studies in humans to decrease your rate of aging, slow aging. But what's going to happen? There are also 14 areas of research into the mechanism of aging research, 
where you can reverse it. Yeah, there's senolytics and epigenetic reprogramming. They're they're literally the enlarging the telomeres on stem cells so you can repair things longer. There literally are 14 different approaches that we know reverse aging in at least two animal species. And there's recently been a, announced an X prize, $101 million goes to the first company, group, university, whatever, that get together and can actually reverse aging by 10 to 20 years in immune system, muscle, and brain. You got to do all three to get the 101 million. But they expect there to be over 65 competitors working on this. And with 101 million as the prize, they think that it's pretty likely by 2033, 10 years from now, that you're going to be able to live 10 to 20 years younger than just slowing aging. So instead of 60 being the new 40, it will be 80 will be the new 40. Or as I like, I think it's going to be bigger than that. I think it's going to be 90 will be the new 40. Yeah. I mean, if, if I could live like this into a, you know, a really, uh, late age i would i think many people would take whatever the the easy pill is or <laughs> whatever the what the treatment is but i think it's the day-to-day -day choices i mean you say 180 choices of different things i think that's where it's really difficult for most people is you know consistent behavior change with what we eat and how we move and how we sleep and and that really seems to be kind of the uh the key that's missing so let's break down well, you're, you know, you're, some of these choices. Let's talk I, about nutrition, something that's very confusing for most people. You know, they hear, uh, you know, eat this diet, eat this diet. When it comes to nutrition, what are some of just like the basic foundational things um, that, that people should think about when it comes to our food that can help, you know, slow the onset of aging? There's only one basic principle in food. Eat things you love and that love you back. That is, food is like a relationship like marriage. You wouldn't marry someone who is trying to kill you every day. You shouldn't eat food that's trying to kill you every day. And you want to eat food you love because food is a uh, enjoyment. So the basic principle is only eat food you love and that loves you back. There are only five foods that don't love most people back. Simple sugar, added syrups, simple carbs. And then red and processed red meat, that's four. And the fifth is fried foods. If you avoid those five, everything else will love you back. And so the point is, um, you, you've got to find foods you love that love you back. I get patients who select me off, who often exercise. So I don't have a problem with them not exercising. They do that. They do it reliably. They go to gyms. Um, I've even got very... Uh, if I would call them disadvantaged patients who have either Medicare Advantage or who um, just spend their money going to Planet Fitness at $10 a month and do all four components of physical activity we talked about. But the thing that my patients don't know is they think they're eating great diets. And when you when you talk to them and go through what do you eat first thing in the morning when you get up? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? You go through a couple of days worth of food with them. You find out they're sneaking in, unbeknownst to them, 
a lot of high fructose corn syrup or a lot of, if you will, um, the uh, syrups and, and other stripped carbs that they aren't aware of. So um, we have a daily coaching program with, uh, and of the 47 coaches we have, 45 are dietitians um, because the thing they need most help with is, in fact, knowing um, what's in the food and reading the labels on food. Um, and, and, and it's amazing. You know, you, to me, it's always a surprise of how long it takes for them to learn how to read labels. Um, I guess we in, in the medical field have, have learned it gradually, um, but it takes, it's like three month process teaching people how to read labels in a meaningful way and to find all the sneaky stuff that uh, some of the food yeah. companies are food doing. Food manufacturers are, are smart in, yeah, the way that they market things to people. You know, it's like even the health food section of my grocery store has a ton of processed foods. And it, it really is like you need a degree in it. But I think there's some doctors that can't, you know, read labels. And then we expect our patients to somehow be experts in this. And, and it's, it's, it's a difficult uh, world because we've become a world of convenience and um, these processed foods are cheap and readily available. And uh, I'm sure you've seen it. They're like, even at the medical meetings, you know, a table full of, of easy prepackaged foods. Yeah. One of the things we did at, at the CMA course, I ran, I used to run every December. I don't do it anymore. We stopped in, in the pandemic, but um, was we'd serve only healthy foods. We'd make sure, and it was the four seasons in Las Vegas where we had it, let us literally take over the kitchen and prepare foods for our, our guests, um, if you will. And so, but it is, it, if you do it at a, at a hotel, it is very tough. The other thing I learned, which was a, um, I did a little sous chefing. And the line chefs love to see a little burnt flavor and a little food. So they throw on a little saturated fat with a little fire to get a little of the burn flavor in there. And so the, pa the, the poor patron is not eating what they think they're eating. Um, so um, cooking at home is obviously one of the, the great ways to go. Um, and and you're, the other thing that... that annoys me a great deal is on the front of the label it says whole grains and you read the back or made with nine whole grains and you read the back and 10 percent of the of the product is whole grains and 90 percent of stripped carbs yeah yeah they like i said they've become very sneaky with with the way that they package and label and and present it to the consumer Okay, so uh, let's pretend that we have this, um, we'll call them a unicorn patient. They're eating the perfect diet, they're exercising, they're sleeping really well. Um, as we age, which it's, it's inevitable, one thing that my patients go through, because I work in women's health, is menopause. Um, give us some insight for it, because men go through this too. So let's talk about menopause and andropause, kind of this, you know, transition in someone's life, what should people be thinking around this transition as far as aging and longevity is concerned? You know, um, I have a very um, particular feeling about menopause. And that is when you look at the data from the women's health study, I think a lot of it was 
both misinterpreted and mispresented to patients because of the choice of progestin and the choice of estrogen. So if you look at the data, um, there is a benefit to um, estrogen alone, and especially a bioidentical estrogen. We now have patches that are low dose. Um, and um, using prometrium or a micronized progestin rather than acetated progestin. Acetated progestin, now we're in the weeds, so I apologize to people, but it is to tell them that the data on hormone therapy when given with a baby aspirin to prevent the major risk factor, which is clotting or increased uh, coagulation or blood clots from both the estrogen and progestin or testosterone for men, those are the, the same risks it turns out, um, that if you do that, then there's a decreased risk of bone fracture, clearly in women and in men, a decreased risk in uh, dementia, even a decreased risk in breast cancer, and probably um, n either no change or decrease in heart disease and stroke risk. So overall, and since falls and broken hips, and that is bone osteopenia and osteoporosis, that is loss of bone, especially in women, and in men, but especially in women, is such a big issue um, for disability. I'm, I'm a strong believer in uh, hormone therapy as to help mitigate uh, the changes of, uh, if you will, the menopause. Um, in males, it isn't quite as clear um, but you can measure testosterone levels, and if they're low free testosterone levels, you've got to measure it before 10 a.m. because it falls throughout the day. But if it's low, there's no real risk in supplementing with testosterone as long as it's done in an appropriate dose fashion. Now, tell me your feeling. Um, so this is your podcast. I hate to... Uh, invade it jamie so tell me yeah, your feelings no, on this since you're an expert I'm, uh, on this i'm agreeing with i'm agreeing with everything you're saying yeah i mean i'm i'm a big fan of hormone replacement therapy in my patients i do think that a lot of providers and patients were misled by a lot of this data and if we're going to have the conversation about 90 being the new 40 um you know we're on pace to see a um, large proportion of the world population who are now going to be postmenopausal. Um, and these women uh, should understand that there's options available to them. And there is this golden window of opportunity, which seems to be the 10 years, you know, at the time and after menopause, where hormone replacement therapy can mitigate these risks um, of diabetes, which is a huge problem in our world. Um, cardiovascular disease, estrogen is quite protective, actually, to the blood vessels. Transdermal estrogen, so the patches actually right. do not increase risk of blood clot and stroke. It's only with oral with oral estrogens. And, and you're right, the type of progesterone that they're getting, a natural micronized progesterone is important. But I don't see a lot of providers that are you know, keeping up to date on this. The 2022 North American Menopause Society guidelines also showed an, a decreased risk of colorectal cancer. So I think there's a lot of argument that more people should be having the conversation about, about doing this, especially when we're thinking about, you know, they could live to be 90 years old 
and the decreased risk of fractures and, and lean body mass retention. You know, you just said that this resistance training and things like this is important. Estrogen is very anti-catabolic. Um, women certainly don't have the testosterone levels that men do, um, which is more anabolic, but I'm a huge fan of, of hormone replacement therapy. And, and I wish that more women were having the conversation and more providers were getting up to speed with, with what the data is really showing there. So, yeah. Um, and I want to add one about, more, I, um, let uh, me add one more thing. Can I add one more thing? Since, uh, I believe that yep. if we did Go the ahead. studies for at least not just 10 years, but if we did the studies and we probably won't get them in, in my, or maybe even your lifetime, we did the studies for 25 years and beyond we'd end up seeing that hormone replacement therapy or hormone therapy um, when combined with, as, as I, I like to have a baby aspirin with a half a glass of warm water before and after for, <laughs> for, my, for my women to, for preventing the, the uh, effect of uh, the progestin on increased clots. Um, if, they, if, if you did that, I would bet that over 25 years, there would be a great benefit to hormone replacement. Um, I just, so I think the 10 year window is clear. Um, but I think if, if we had the study data, we don't. Um, but if we had the study data, it would be yeah. longer than that. Especially yeah, because I mean, of what you point out you don't have is to arbitrarily stop, but yeah. Right. Especially as you point out the osteoporosis and osteopenia risk of not having uh, estrogen. Um, I think it, it's such a big, uh, if you will, killer. Um, and in fact, you know, the, this year, yep. the the leading death of white guys over the age of 65 was falls. Um, it wasn't heart disease or cancer over yeah, the age of 65, fractures. it was falls. Yeah. Um, Yeah, the risk of mortality if you fall and break a hip and end up, you know, in a hospital bed, it's it's a, a slow downward spiral. You know, it, it just further yeah. exacerbates the metabolic disease and the sarcopenia, and it's it's not a good situation to be in. Yeah, yeah, I, I'll speak to uh, just a little bit on that. You know, if you put college athletes elite athletes who were in bed for three weeks, they, when they get up, they fall down. They lose their balance. They lose a lot of muscle mass. I experienced it myself. I had, I, I <laughs> stupidly tore my rotator cuff doing a chest press this past year and needed surgery. And so I took off for three weeks. It's a tough thing to come back after you do that. So I would say don't take off for three weeks unless you have to. Um, cause it, it, you know, it's, it's, t it took me almost six months to come back to where I was. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it, you know, it takes you months and years to, to gain the strength and the mass and like you can lose it in such a short period of time. It's so defeating sometimes to think about it that way. I, I totally agree. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about supplements. Um, holy smokes. I mean, I've seen patients come in with a backpack of, you know, 16 bottles of different things. Where do supplements fall in, you know, kind of your framework when thinking about aging and longevity? Is there evidence for particular ones? What should our listeners think about? 
Yeah, there there are evidence. It's interesting you said 16, because that's exactly the number out of the 53 we've analyzed at the longevityplaybook.com. When we look at the science, we, we were asked to analyze by our um, subscribers and by others, 53 different ones. Turns out there are 16 either supplements or small molecules um, that have enough data in humans to say they have more benefit than risk, considerably more benefit than risk for the average man over 50 and woman over 55. Um, and some of them are simple. Everyone knows about vitamin D and the shortage of vitamin D. Um, unless you supplement with it, it's very hard to get enough vitamin D um, from if you live in the north like I do. In the north in the winter, it's very hard to get enough vitamin D from food. Um, so you need to supplement and the supplement amount has to go up with age as we malabsorb it, apparently. Um, at least usually it's about a thousand international units from 50 to 65, and then it's 2000 from 65 to 75, and then 4,000 on, because when you're measuring the levels, you want the level to be between 50 and 80 nanograms per ml. Um, and then a multivitamin has been shown in 20-year studies. So 10-year data on cardiovascular disease and cardiac and cardiovascular and cancer showed no benefit. 20-year data, 25% reduction in heart attacks and strokes, 23% um, in recurrent cancers, 18% in first cancers. So and a six-year younger brain. Uh, recently shown in the multivitamin studies in just a three-year study. Um, the uh, um, So those are some. We think about magnesium in the evening for help sleep as well as um, muscle function. Um, you want a small amount of calcium as a supplement if you don't get it in diet, and most people don't get it in diet. Um, then there is 1,100 milligrams of DHA and EPA. Um, that's the omega-3s. Um, I don't know whether you consider uh, extra virgin olive oil a, a supplement, but half a tablespoon a day, whether on 100% whole grain bread or in cooking, but you want that. Um, and then, uh, the, as I've said, for most people, a statin. Um, because of both its anti-inflammatory and anti-LDL cholesterol effects. Um, and if you're doing that, you want CoQ10 as well. Um, and so those are, and, and then as, as you've heard, as an anti-inflammatory effect, I like um, 81 milligrams of uh, a baby aspirin twice a day, half a glass of warm water before and afterwards. Probiotic, bovine colostrum, are other things that have it. And um, when you're taking your vitamin D, you want it with, with vitamin K2 as well. So and many times we don't get enough K2 in the vitamin D preparation. So make sure you're getting enough K2, um, if you will, as it's also an anti, um, it, it helps preserve your uh, valves of your heart as well as uh, the stiffness of your arteries, it decreases. So there are a lot of, um, I, I've gone over probably too many, and my favorite that no one else uh, advocates, I guess, other than uh, Dr. Theo and Dr. Theodakis and myself is 
um, ASU, avocado soybean, unsupponifiable. I have no vested interest in, in any company that makes it, but it's priscoline in Europe. It's the only thing we know of that is disease modifying for osteoarthritis with minimal side effects. Um, so that's another one. So um, if you will, they're all in the uh, Great Age Reboot book. But um, now, some people say, what about NAD or what about metformin? And the, we can go through each one individually, but there just isn't enough data on uh, those in humans to recommend them. So the ones I'm recommending all have enough data in human studies that they make a difference to humans that I, that, that's why there are either 16 or 17. So a supplement that seems to be coming up a lot in my social media feed recently is colostrum. And that was not one for years and years and years that I ever heard about, didn't learn about it in medical training, but I know the gut and the gut microbiome is becoming a really hot topic amongst patients and, and providers. Can you break down, you know, probiotics and colostrum a little bit more? What should people be looking for if they're yeah. taking a, a probiotic so, or colostrum or what would the benefits yeah, so, be? So consider? they're very different. Okay. So they're different in that bovine colostrum is a purified extract of colostrum from cows. And it contains immunoglobulins as well as some proteins. In the randomized studies in humans... And I helped popularize this. In fact, um, when I was, when COVID broke out, I went and did a literature search on things that decreased upper respiratory infections. And it turned out that in uh, soccer players in Italy, um, they did a randomized controlled trial way back in about 2004 and another one in 2007 and giving uh, bovine colostrum, 2,000 milligrams of these capsules of bovine colostrum, decreased their um, upper respiratory infections by about 35%. And in addition, and this is to me amazing, it actually decreased the gut villi getting shorter, bloating, and symptoms that is a is accompanied by vigorous exercise of more than uh, 90 minutes. They play, I guess, 45-minute halves, and they're constantly getting GI symptoms. So bovine colostrum did both of those things in randomized studies as well as in animal studies. So that's why, um, and so um, I help popularize it, um, if you will. So I'm feeling... Maybe a little guilty. I haven't been participating in the social media, but I did uh, write about it um, on, on my own uh, uh, books and other things. Well, you did good. Um, you did good work. It's becoming very popular. <laughs> um, the other, um, the other um, thing on probiotics, we know, um, for example, with true biotics, um, that. There are benefits for women as they go into menopause at decreasing urinary tract infections and uh, seemingly to decrease um, the uh, nonspecific back pain people have. We don't know why, um, but um, what we're learning is that the diversity of 
your microbiome, that is having a many different species of bacteria in your microbiome correlates with longevity. So I take three different probiotics. You know, I take true biotics on day one. On day two, I'll take a line. And on day three, I'll take digestive advantage. Um, and then on day four, I'll go back and taking uh, true biotics. So um, I think there should be, a, we just don't know enough to say which probiotic um, strain is best for what in which person. Five to 10 years from now, we will have much better knowledge because of our genetic typing of microbiomes and knowing more about it. But for now, we know um, that diversity matters and that uh, the true biotic double um, bacteria format for women uh, seems to decrease uh, urinary uh, um, problems. Yeah, and I think it brings us back to this conversation about hormones again, because we know that as women go through menopause and there's a loss of estrogen, the microbiome in their gut starts to change substantially. The vaginal microbiome starts to change. And if they don't do hormone therapy, especially vaginal estrogen therapy, they're more susceptible to urinary tract infections, atrophic vaginitis, and a lot of, of GI and gut disturbances. So it's like, it's all, it's all connected. That's for sure. Yes, and that's that. And you are. Let, let's be honest about it, you are one of the world's experts in this. So, um, I should be interviewing you versus the other way around. Well, we need we need advocates all over. So, <laughs> um, so you know, I see Tony Robbins, you know, talking about aging. Everyone's talking about aging and longevity. And you, you know, you made a good point at the beginning of the podcast. There's people are pouring money into this. What else is um, maybe new? I, this You said senolytic earlier. Can you explain just for the listeners what, what senolytic means? Yeah, there are there actually are 14 areas of research into the mechanism of aging. One of them is what we call senolytics. It is getting rid of old cells. If you have a piece of rotten fruit um, in a fruit bowl, it emits a protein, it's an aroma, that causes the pieces of other fruit around it to get rotten. That's the same thing that happens with an old cell in your body. Now, teleologically, we can say why this happened. It happened because if you were speared, you wanted a scar to form, and the scar would prevent bleeding you bleeding out. Um, that was a good thing in the old days. It has no use now. But a cell that's injured puts out, changes its proteins that it puts out. It essentially puts out an aroma like a piece of rotten fruit does. And the cells around it become dysfunctional and form a scab. Well, that's not very useful if a scab is on your heart. Um, that means you're not producing as much power and getting enough as much energy, if you will. Scab in your lung, the same type of problem. So you don't want it. So when do we start producing old cells? When we're in utero. But our immune system gets rid of them till about age 30. Then we start accumulating them and they make the cells around it old. Well, what if we had something, a drug, that could harvest or 
rather than even harvest the senoitic, recycle all the components of the, um, if you will, the, the cell that were usable, throw out the ones that were damaged, but keep the good ones and make new cells. That's what a, the theory behind senoitics do. It works in animal species. Um, the trials in humans have shown a little benefit so far, but nothing as great as in the animal model. So um, the University of Minnesota in the uh, X prize for, uh, if you will, um, that's going on for that 101 million to be able to extend healthy life expectancy 10 to 20 years in immune system, brain and muscle. The University of Minnesota has uh, put up a major team working on senolytics. That's one of their research areas. Yeah, I'm seeing, you know, supplements out there that claim to be a senolytic. I've even seen uh, topical cosmeceutical products uh, to, for women that are like a topical senolytic for anti-aging of the face, which we know the beauty industry is, you know, a, a multi-million dollar uh, uh, field too. We we don't want to just feel young. We, we want to look young too. <laughs> so um, it's, it, it is this, the... Uh, what we call senolytics right now is a wallet biopsy. That is what you want to be protected from uh -huh. is using things that don't work, that take your money and uh, fool you. And it's, it's kind of like the labels on uh, packages when it says made with nine whole grains and you look on the back and it's 10% whole grains. Well, this is even worse because we don't know that any of these things work yet in humans. So um, as soon as they they do, believe me, um, us in the medical field, you and, and I will start popular, trying to popularize them, not because we own stock in the company, but because they actually work. Um, that's what the X Prize is all about, yeah. something that actually works. It will be amazing to see what they come up with, that's for sure. Um, okay, so what other of these 180 choices um, have we not talked about? We've hit the big ones, you know, eating, movement, sleep. We've dived into supplements. What else are people not thinking about when it comes to aging and longevity? Well, I think there are, there are, the environment is a huge one, what we call unforced errors. Not only vaping and smoking, which obviously is an unforced error, or not wearing a helmet when you're riding a, a motorcycle motorcycle or skiing, but also things like, do you live too close to a freeway where there's thin particles from diesel e emitted? So you want to live at least seven blocks away and then have HEPA filters uh, all around you in your home, change it in your car, etc. even at work. Um, the uh, What water what's in the contaminants of water in your local water supply and that you absorb, believe it or not, we get much more absorption through the skin of the contaminants in water. So sitting in a bath or in a shower, you should know what's in your water and where you have to have it purified if you're going to take a shower or a bath. It, it turns out you get more, I mean, the interesting thing we've learned is when uh, you take a shower, you get the small particles that are contaminants in the water, you breathe them in by the, uh, if you will, the, um, I don't know, the, the steam that's let off in the shower. Steamer. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. And people, some were gradually getting to think about sauna and 
some of the other things like that that are beneficial. But literally, um, there are, if you look at it, um, virtually every choice you make in the day, you can make a little better with very little act, access, with very little, you know, literally when I come into work, the data on four smells decreasing plaque, the amyloid plaque in the brain and olfactory nerve is tremendous. So I come into work and after I fill up my coffee cup, first thing I do, oh man, it smells good. Still smells good as I smell coffee. And then I'll take lavender out or I'll take rosemary out and I'll take, I'll wipe down the, the desk with uh, a either a Clorox or an alcohol wipe, and you smell that, and that's so you just do four of those a day, four different smells a day, and you're getting a huge benefit for your sense of smell and your brain. That's so really, that's, really that's little really things, little things make a huge difference. The other thing is, you as you hit fifty, we have a balance exercise we teach patients, which is I don't know if you were ever a bad student in school, but I was, and in my day, you had to stand in the corner facing into the corner with a dunce cap on. So I had to wear, you know, I was a misbehaving kid, and so I had to stand. But if you do that with one foot. And initially, you have your eyes open and then gradually do it with your eyes closed. You end up getting much more balance. And you, either, instead of falling and hurting yourself, you would fall into the, into the corner so you're not going to fall. And then we have our, our patients over the age of 50 take a learn to fall class as well. It starts on a mat with you kneeling and learning how to fall and roll and protect your head at the same time. And then uh, we get people to, I mean, the, the, physical therapists get people to stand up. So there's some small things that only you only have to do for a couple hours that you really learn a lot of protection for yourself. That's those 181 things. That's a lot of things to tackle, but uh, it's worth it. Is there um, one last thing, Dr. Roizen, is there any way to measure how old we really are? I mean, if there's a difference, obviously, between our chronological age and our and our biological age, and I've seen these tests out there, you know, that can measure this. Is there anything that's legitimate or good? Um, you know, I'm I'm very proud of what the work we did with real age and now with actual age. So real age, um, you can find it. It's for free at sharecare.com or uh, actual age. It's free at the longevityplaybook.com are the net present value of your health choices. And looking at mortality rates in the Social Security death index and at cardiovascular events rates in the California cardiovascular event rate uh, if you will, they keep a log. And when independent investigators from the University of California, San Diego, looked at our thing, our receiver operant curve, that is our accuracy of predicting mortality and disability, were better than any other test, better than any other biologic test index, and better than any of the if you will, biomarkers at that time. I'm still convinced that's true. We have epigenetic markers now, but they change dramatically. When we've tested them and we've tested a series of them, um, they, you know, you eat a steak dinner and your four 
14 years older in one day. Well, you're not 14 years older in one day from one steak dinner. Um, the, the epigenetic markers change so fast in all directions and are inconsistent from one area to the other area of the body that I, I still think the um, net present value assessment we did with real age and now with actual age are probably the best um, markers. They aren't good in the sense of um, they don't tell you day to day what you're what you're doing because they change over a three month period, not over a one day period. You don't see the the benefits, um, and um, I think we will eventually get epigenetic markers or some other biomarker that is more accurate than our real age or our actual age test. Um, but for now, we don't have anything. And I'm, I'm pretty proud that, uh, you know, our, the work we did. Now, I did it with a Nobel Prize winner, Gary Becker, who won the Nobel Prize for net present value of investments. So all I did was net present value of health changes, building on his work uh, with him. Um, but I'm pretty proud that that still has stood the test of time of being the most accurate um, in the in the statistical measure of receiver operant curves. That's awesome. Well, Dr. Roizen, this has been uh, an incredible conversation. Can you tell people where they can uh, find your work and more about you? Yeah, so um, I'm at the Cleveland Clinic, and you can find out all about me at the Cleveland Clinic. I see patients there. Our website is longevityplaybook.com, longevityplaybook.com. You can sign up for the free twice-a-week newsletter um, and take the actual age test. It's free, too. Or uh, if you, uh, on, on other ways of finding me, I do have a podcast called You, the Owner's Manual. It's now in its 1179th week. So I've been doing it 21 years. Um, that's a long time for doing a podcast, I guess, 22 years now. Um, so uh, those and are the places. Before podcasts were a thing. <laughs> that's exactly right. Uh, we The radio shows we had, um, we initially, till 2000 and about nine, there were radio shows that we did, and uh, we recorded all of those, so um, they're in the podcast uh, system in the same way before they were known as podcasts. Um, anyway, so they're all, you cool. can find all 1,198 of them um, at uh, RadioMD.com. Okay. All right. Well, if you guys uh, found today's podcast interesting or helpful, insightful, please go ahead and like and share and comment. Uh, we appreciate you guys sharing these messages all around the world. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Did you guys love that last episode of the Fit and Fabulous podcast? Well, of course you did. And I want to keep bringing you the most amazing content from the most incredible people. And you can help me by subscribing to the Dr. Fit and Fabulous channel. You guys know where the button is. Just click it. It's the doctor's orders.